All right, guys, welcome back to American Contractor Show. We are in the Peterman Brothers office with Chad Peterman himself here in Indianapolis. So, Chad, thank you for uh, letting us hang out and being so gracious to just let us walk around your office. Yeah, absolutely. More than happy uh, to, to let you guys peek around. And yeah, hopefully today's conversation will peek some uh, uh, things that maybe people need to work on or, or can uh, help better their business for sure. Dude, in Indianapolis, you guys are a staple. And I think that, yeah, this conversation is definitely going to pique the interest of a lot of people because just who you are and what you've built and what you're building around the country now even even further, it's been incredible. So congratulations to you, first off. And yeah, thank you. I know this probably definitely hasn't been an easy road for sure to get to where you guys are, but massive, massive kudos just seeing what you guys have built and, and how you've built it. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm awestruck. Yeah, well, I, I thank you. Uh, it has been, um, you know, even going on the tour uh, today, you, you know, I'm reminded of all the people that have helped put this whole thing together. Uh, I think you asked me a few times, uh, well, why is that like that? Or what's going on there? And I'm like, I'm not really sure. Um, and that's just really a testament to uh, the caliber of people that we've brought in here that believe in the vision and want to build something really special. So I am uh, eternally grateful to them. Uh, without them, uh, you know, a lot of this wouldn't be possible for sure. It's it's really incredible, and it's so cool to see what you've built and what your your, your brother as well and your family and everyone that's here. I mean, it's it's a huge team. How many how many people work here? So we've got uh, across all locations and brands, we've got a little over six hundred and fifty people here. Wow, that's insane! Six hundred and fifty employees working. And you guys are doing well north of $100 million in revenue right now. Yep. Yeah. So we'll probably finish out the year probably about $115 million, I would say. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. One of the things I noticed, though, I mean, having that many employees, and this this caught my, my attention early on when we were walking through, was every time someone would walk by, you knew their name instantly. And you were like, hey, how's it going? Like there was an instant connection with each and every one of those employees that we saw. Yeah. And I thought that was a huge testament to you as a person and you know the care that you have in your employees and the people that work here. Yeah, so one of the things that I always vowed to myself now uh, you know, what do they say? Your eyes are a little bit bigger than your appetite sometimes. So up uh, when we were about 300 people, I knew everybody's name. Um, and that was extremely important to me. Today, with people spread out, uh, you know, all across the country and all across the state of Indiana, it's a little bit tougher because uh, I don't see everybody on a daily basis. Uh, but one of the things that I have really leaned into um, and something that anybody can do is I start every morning when I get to the office by writing thank you cards. Um, and that is, you know, I'll reach out to managers, who's doing a great job, who had a great week, who's you know, maybe going through a tough time or who's, you know, celebrating the birth of a new kid or bought a new house or whatever it is so that I can reach out and make that personal connection. And I found that doing that has a has a massive impact on culture, uh, but it also uh, helps you make that connection to your people. Mm -hmm. um, I don't run, nor do I know how to run a service call uh, in any of the <laughs> trades. And so to me, um, you know, I always talk about it as flattening out the org chart when it comes to your culture. Um, yes, you got to have an org chart to for chain of command and how things operate and how to communicate and all of that. But when it comes to building your culture, your your org chart should look flat. 
Um, and the reason I say that is because no one is better than another person. Um, no one's job is more important, um, and no one should take more credit for the success. And so when we think about our culture and the way that we built it, it's, hey, it takes everybody, and it's a chain of uh, interconnected events and responsibilities that ultimately lead us to being able to take care of a customer. That's awesome, though, because there's so many people involved in that whole that whole process to take care of your customer. But at the end of the day, they're the ones that benefit out of all this, you know, everything you guys have built here, this whole infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that, you know, when we were small, yeah, there weren't that many people to touch it because there weren't that many people to touch it. So, you know, you got people wearing a lot of hats. But mm-hmm. as you scale, you know, we run anywhere between five and six hundred service calls a day. Wow. Well, to process that, to dispatch those calls, to pick up the phone and book those calls, to have enough technicians to run it, to accounting, to marketing, to all the different areas of the business that have to um, link together to make sure that we can deliver the service that we promised. It's so many pieces. Yeah. So much is going on behind the scenes. And you know, I, I, I got to look back through the history, though, and understand a little bit about the background of this company, though. This was this was your dad's company, right? Correct. Yep. It, he uh, started it in 86. And then you and your brother took over a few years ago. Yep. 2015 is when we kind of, my dad was still working in the business, but we had kind of taken over control of kind of daily operations for sure. And what was the revenue at that point? Uh, in 2015, we were, we were heavily involved in a lot of multifamily new construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the time we did about 10 million in revenue, but of that only about 3 million of that was residential service. So a lot of it was recurring yeah. large accounts, basically. Large stuff, large scale projects, different stuff like that, which we have since gotten completely out of, and we are a hundred percent residential service repair and replacement today. Which is a whole lot more customers, basically. Yeah, a lot of customers. Uh, whereas, you know, back in the new construction days, you may have four or five builders that you work for. Right. Um, yeah, today it's all individual homeowners. Residential, HVAC, and electrical plumbing. That's- yep, all residential. We don't touch uh, commercial unit, no rooftops, no strip centers. Basically, you have to own and reside in the home for us to come out and work on it. And a lot of that, yeah, a lot of that is back to, you know, and I don't, I I guess I don't want to be um, kind of misquoted here. If you're a smaller company, don't get me wrong, you'll scratch and claw. And if someone said, you know, back in the day, if someone said, hey, I got a heating issue or I got a plumbing issue, we'd come and run it. We didn't ask what it was or anything like that. The reason that we've really narrowed our focus, and I think it's something important to keep on the top of your mind as you scale your company is from a training perspective, it's very difficult to train that many technicians in all the different ways that you can heat and cool a space. And so we really narrowed our focus down to split system HVAC, residential plumbing, and residential electrical. And that that makes it super easy because we only have to train on one thing, not well, this is a commercial application. Well, this is a boiler. Well, this is a geothermal. Well, this is whatever it may be. It is just a forced air split system is really all that we're focused on. So did you do that first and then scaled or did you? Oh, no. Yeah. What, yeah. 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 You, you kind of learn, you live and learn, right? <laughs> uh, so data has been a huge piece of how we've been able to build the company. And you get to a point where it's like, are we actually even making any money doing this work or is it just kind of busy work? 
Well, what you learn as you scale is there's no more time for busy work. You've got to do, um, you've got enough work coming in the door uh, that you want to focus on the things that are most profitable and that your technicians feel most comfortable working on. Wow. That's a, and that's a huge lesson right there. Yeah. Just in and of itself, we can stop the whole thing right now, cut it off and say, hey, you got what you needed now, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge lesson for us, and it's been uh, it's paid dividends here uh, over the last few years for sure. That's massive. And, and you know, you, looking back though, it's probably been yeah this whole journey to get to that point where it's like this is what we want to do. But once you guys made that decision, is that when it started to even expl- explode even more? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's when we really got laser focused on what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about the kind of bedrock of any organization being the culture, um, it's really difficult to run a company that has a new construction, uh, you know, culture while also having a residential culture mm-hmm. as well. And so um, as we began to focus on that, and we phased out the new construction kind of slowly because at the beginning it was, you know, it was cash flow that was helping us invest in the business and hire more technicians and do some marketing and different stuff like that. So it, it definitely played its role um, in our growth story. But I think as we, um, you know, got more focused uh, on what we wanted to do, then you can start to build that vision. And then you can start to get everybody in the organization rowing the boat in the same direction, as opposed to you got a three, four different boats in the organization and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. It's like, no, no, no. Here's the goal. Here's the vision. Here's the mission. This is what we're going to go do. Um, and then you get some really, really powerful results. Well, it's, it's like you guys found your identity. Yep, 100%. And once you found your identity, you guys were able to really just live that identity 100%. And everyone was doing the same thing. I love that. That's such yeah. a cool lesson to learn in and of itself. It is. And, and I think it's too, you know, that comes with time. It mm-hmm. comes with scale, and you'll begin to realize that. But what I would say, if I could go back and do anything differently, it would just be being more aware of that as we were scaling and probably doing it maybe a little bit sooner as opposed to getting down a path, creating a problem, and then you got to kind of go fix that problem. Um, if you can be thinking about it, you'll you'll kind of know when to kind of flip that switch. Yeah, the earlier you can identify what you're best at and what's really making you the most amount of money, yep. the faster you guys can become that and pivot towards that. Absolutely. That's awesome. So... I'm thinking about this whole organization, and it's just it's fascinating to me. When you guys watch the video of the uh, the walkthrough that we did, it's it's incredible what you guys have built here. Um, and there's you know 400 vans out there. You said, yep, you guys are out running around doing all this stuff. But was this like the plan? Was this the goal for you? Where you were like, hey, we want to take this business and turn it into uh, what is it, eight figure business? Or yeah, is that was that your ultimate goal or nine figures, right? We're taking nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I I would say that, you know, when we took it over, so I came back to the business in 2011. Um, We were about a 20 person operation. Um, And, you know, I had the good fortune of, and, and now there's, it's crazy to say that there's a lot more technology out there, but I don't think like podcasts were a thing back in 2011. <laughs> um, and so you you kind of got exposure to all these different like operations that had like scaled, right? And so I knew that they were out there. And I think that one of the things but that- they weren't like this. They were closed off, man. Back yeah, then. yeah, very closed off. There wasn't a whole yeah. lot of access, different stuff like that. And really at that time, like some of the biggest businesses were like 40, 50 million. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. That's still a Which, large scale business. Yeah, it's a large business. Yeah. Um, and so 
what I really tried to do was just try to emulate as much as I could of what these other people were doing. So I would fly around the country. I'd go see different shops. I'd talk to different people. Um, anything I could do to learn something um, and continue to you know, move the business forward. And it wasn't like we just woke up one day and then we were like, here, like we've learned a lot of tough lessons just like everybody else. Um, but I think that the one thing that has allowed us to excel and grow at the rate that we have is we really pride ourselves on implementing. So if I go learn something, I'm not just going to go learn and say, oh, that would be nice or even worse. And what I see most often is, oh, well, that's cool, but that won't work where we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, that seems weird. Um, And I'm notorious around here for saying if there's an idea and someone says you can't do it, I'm like, well, I bet I can make a phone call and find someone who is doing it. So it is possible. Uh, it may look a little bit different. It may, you know, take on a different shape just based on how we operate, but the idea itself can be implemented. And so um, really just surrounding yourself. I mean, I still listen to, you know, podcasts every morning just to pick up a nugget here or a nugget there. And it's not even so much the exact information that they're giving you. It's it's the frame of mind that it puts you in to start thinking critically and start to visualize what bigger would look like and what do we need to be thinking about and who's going to have to play a different role and, and all kinds of things like that. Um, and so I would say that that's been huge. I still talk to a number of my mentors on a you know monthly, weekly basis um, and ask them questions. And, hey, we're struggling with this. Or what did it look like when you got to this level? What, what did you start to think about? So I think all of those things have really been key to our success for sure. Oh, and that's and that's all part of the their learning process. But you've you've basically and I, and I I'm pretty sure this had to happen because I think this is an area, especially for contractors, that we get kind of pigeonholed. Like, hey, I do HVAC, so I really just look at HVAC guys, or I do electrical, so I look at electrical or roofing. I look at roofing or builders. I look at builders. But reality, though, probably a lot of the ideas that you're implementing in your business, you got from other trades. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on the tour. You know, as you scale, you're you're really running multiple businesses within the business. Like, yes, we go fix furnaces and water heaters, but we also run a logistics business mm-hmm. with moving 400 trucks around. We run a, a distribution business. All of things that I don't know how to do, and we had to figure out how to do it. Um, but to me, that's the fun part, right? It's going into different industries and going, well, how do you do this? How do you account for inventory? How do you move a fleet around the country? And there's just so many opportunities out there. I would say one of the other places that we get a lot of ideas is in our marketing. Like a lot of our marketing ideas, if you take a step back, a lot of people are selling the same stuff. Um, When we talk about like, you know, we've gotten ideas from siding guys and windows and roofing and all kinds of stuff where it's like, okay, well, they're essentially doing the same thing. Um, What, uh, you know, what can we take from that and, and implement into our business? And that's, I think, part of the growth aspect of it. In order to grow, you sometimes have to look outside of just your little bubble, yeah, per se. Absolutely, because there's so many good ideas um, and so many things that I think that we can take uh, and uh, and put into play that maybe others aren't thinking about. You know, this is an industry where there's a lot of practices that they've been doing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Well, like, why do we have to do it like that? You know, one of the newer things that we've implemented is, you know, in typical, typical fashion, it's, 
you know, go send a technician out. He identifies that the system's old and putting, you know, putting a couple thousand dollars into a repair is not worth it. So you need to talk to somebody else to get a quote on a new system. Well, we said that process seems very inefficient. So how mm-hmm. can we speed it up? So what we did is we used technology. Um, everybody was on a lot of Zoom meetings during COVID. So we said, well, if people are comfortable with Zoom, could we just sell an HVAC system through Zoom? So that's what we do now. So if a technician goes out, he identifies a system um, and, and a customer who wants to make an upgrade to their home, uh, he immediately calls into the office and we have someone on a, get jump on a Zoom call We'll present the options for a new system. Uh, If the customer agrees to move forward with it, the technician gets a material list. We send that into the warehouse. We get the equipment pulled, and we'll put it in within 24 hours. So let's back this up. How many of your competitors are doing Zoom sales? Very few. I would say very few, right? Yep. It's all done. What's the conventional? I don't know much about how HVAC is. So what's the conventional way of selling HVAC? Yeah, conventional way is right at the kitchen table. Right, like um, a normal sales guy, not not the technician though. For sure. Okay. Um, and you know, are there some customers that would rather have someone come out? Yeah, sure. Okay, we'll send someone out. We're not going to be picky here. Mm-hmm. Um, but if a customer, like most people, is super busy, they've got work schedules, they've got kids schedules, they got all kinds of stuff, and the last thing they want to do is interrupt their dinner at six o'clock at night when you know the spouse gets home from work. Uh, to sit down with a total stranger for two hours talking about an HVAC system, something that they may buy once in their entire life, or they'd just rather get it taken care of. We could patch in the spouse on their lunch break or whatever it may be, um, and they can get it taken care of, and we can make the process as efficient as humanly possible. What's the percentage of sales that are done over the Zoom type deal, the, the virtual versus in person? Uh, so I would say, so um, this is just really relates to if we go out with a technician. Right. Um, I would say that if they want to get an estimate right now, probably 80 to 90% are done through Zoom. Wow. Yeah. So the majority of your sales are done off Zoom. The vast majority, very yep. small percentage is done in person anymore. Yep. You've completely transitioned the entire business. Your competitors are scrambling trying to figure this out. You're out here giving away furnaces. Yeah. Right. So absolutely. I mean, I mean that's the that's the whole the whole spiel. Like we, we see the marketing all over the place. The furnace is free. Yep. And that's the that's the way it works. And so like it's that's pretty wild though to think that the entire process, the majority of it is done virtually now. Yeah. Well, and I mean you think about it too from a call booking perspective. So we built an entire platform for customers to book their own service call with real-time availability. Right. So we book right now, we'll book 30% of our calls on a daily basis where no one even talks Uh-oh. to the customer. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's That's things awesome. like that where like, hey, we didn't take online booking. Everyone's made a dentist appointment mm-hmm. or a haircut yep. or whatever it is um, online where you don't talk to anybody. You just look at their availability, you book the appointment, you show up and you get your stuff taken care of. No, I love that. And it's just so cool to watch the evolution of that business and how you guys have just completely scaled because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Just look for different ideas that you can implement to make the customer journey as what we always talk about is make it as frictionless as possible. It's awesome. Cool. Well, I think that there's so many, you know, takeaways here, but one of the big things that I know we've talked about behind the scenes, and this is, I just wanted to touch on this and and it was because it's been, it's been such a top of mind thing. And especially in the roofing space and in, in all of the trades really right now is, um, you know, all this private equity is coming in. They're all buying these, these companies, all these trades people, you guys haven't gone 
down that road. Nope. This has all been you guys building this thing up with, you know, these hands basically, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think private equity from a larger scope has helped us because we have to innovate even faster. Yeah. Um, you've got to compete with those you've guys. You've got to compete with those guys. Yeah. And they've got tons of data. They've got tons of smart people. Um, just because they don't know how to run the business doesn't mean they're not smart. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that looking at the business from a different perspective isn't helpful. You know, honestly, I didn't come from the trades. Yeah, it just so happened my dad started the company, but I don't know anything about any of the trades. Like, I know more because I've been doing it for a little bit. But, you know, I just looked at it from a customer service mind. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in private equity, and they have a lot of really good thoughts and things to think about and a lot of really good questions like, well, why do you do it that way? I don't know. We've just always done it that way. So (laughs) I guess maybe that's something we should look at. So I think it's been a good thing for the industry itself. Now, there are the horror stories, there are the bad experiences, um, but to me, that is, you know, there's also a lot of really good ones out there. There's a lot of really successful groups that have started and are doing really great things. Just because private equity comes in doesn't mean it's the big bad wolf. Uh, I don't think it's the big bad wolf, but yeah. I think it's it's something that's definitely in everyone's mind right For now sure. because it's so front and center, but there's a lot of people that are reluctant. Yeah. And you know, to the private equity guys, I think that blows their minds. And but looking at you, you're a story of someone that said, "No, I don't want to go that road. I want to keep down this road that we've been going down and yep. been extremely successful because of it." Absolutely. Um, so I, I think, but that- it's, but you mentioned that it, it, it's it's attributed a lot though to the fact that you guys have had to adapt to that new reality. Yeah, a lot faster than probably other people. Because if you hadn't adapted, what would have happened? Yeah, I mean, you would have just probably got swallowed up. You would have got frustrated. You would have, you know cashed in your chips, you would have, whatever, a number of things you would have done. But to me, it's kind of a challenge. Like, okay, this is the major leagues. Like, we get to go compete with the best of the best uh, to really see how good we are. Yeah. No, this is awesome. And this is such a cool um, perspective. Yeah. Because all we're hearing right now is the other side of it. Yep. Like, hey, if we want to grow, the only way to get to nine figures is to sell your company. Yep. And join the nine-figure team or whatever. But you're saying, no, like, we can do it without it. But it has forced you guys to change a lot of the way you guys do business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, there's a number of, even here in Indianapolis, really every market that we're in, there's a PE presence Mm -hmm. there. Um, It's really how are we going to separate ourselves, right? So when we look at competing against them, where we lean into and where we leverage is the fact that we are operators. We know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So... When we go and do an acquisition and we're competing against PE groups, it's, well, you can join us and we've built this. I've mm-hmm. got all of the resources. You need help recruiting. You need help you know, managing a truck inventory, whatever it is. Like I probably have a document that I can just give you and make life a whole lot easier because there's a lot of people that want to scale their businesses and want to be, you know, kind of a pillar in their community. And and really that's what we're about. That's what's kind of allowed us to get outside of the state of Indiana with some of our brands is, you know, having that playbook that they can either come here and train, they can talk to our call center manager, they can talk to an operations manager and get the answers to the questions that they've always wanted to ask. So in that sense, it is 
very beneficial that you guys have already gotten the road, but you're not backed by private equity, so it's you making the acquisition yep. directly with the with another business, basically. You got it. Yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. Um, that is primarily what I am involved in on a day-to-day basis is the strategic vision of the company and where we're going to go. You know, it's our vision to be really sp- have the kind of the Peterman Brothers brand spread all throughout the Midwest, um, along with some of our other partner brands that are in different regions that we can build basically what we've built here in a different part of the country. Um, So it's really exciting. It's really exciting to partner with some of these operators and owners and just really help them with the things that we struggled with too. It's yeah. not like we're somehow better. It's just, it just so happened we solved that problem, you know, four or five years ago. And hey, here's what not to do and here's what to do and where we found success. So, I love that, man. Yeah. And you guys have done such a great job. I'll tell you what, if I was looking for an HVAC system in, yeah. in Indianapolis, <laughs> this is who I would be calling. I'm just saying, like, after seeing your training center, seeing the things that you guys do, the amount of effort you guys put into making sure you have great technicians, it's a no-brainer, and I'm, I'm glad we're going to do some more stuff in the future together. So, yeah. um, But, no, Chad, this has been an incredible conversation, and, and I'm sure we'll continue it. Absolutely. Um, I don't want this to be the last time that we talk about this, because I think that this is um, – the industry is changing, and construction is changing so quickly. Contracting, every aspect of it, not just HVAC, but it's roofing, it's siding, it's it's electrical. It's Every trade is transforming right now. And so, obviously, you guys are a beacon of, you know, this is what's possible. You don't have to go down this route. There's an alternate road yep. that you can go down and still be successful and compete with those guys. Yeah. Um, and so I, I love that. And I want to keep that conversation going as well. And so thank you for that. You said you had a podcast? Yeah. Uh, so podcast is called Can't Stop the Growth. Um, we, uh, we have episodes that come out every Tuesday. Um, and we talk really some about tactics and different stuff like that. But it's more about leadership and building a culture that's sustainable and empowers your employees to do more and go chase their dreams. You guys got to go follow Can't Stop the Growth. Go check it out. It's on all the streaming platforms. Yep, all I'm the sure. streaming platforms. Yeah, follow it because I, I, I mean, I've been, I've hung around you a few times now. Yeah, yeah. And every time I come around you, I'm always like, man, dude, so much goodness. Like, just the, the, the knowledge that you have, the wisdom, like the way that you lead your people is so evident. So thank you for for sharing all that with us. Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to help. Um, you can find other resources uh, on my website, Chad M as in Michael, uh, Peterman.com. Uh, um, and then I've got a new book that will be coming out. It's called The Empowerment Project. Uh, it's all about how to build a culture of empowerment uh, in the trades. So That's awesome. Yeah. And then another thing that, they t- that you guys do that's really cool is um, once a month, you guys let people come and tour your facilities, right? Yeah, once a month. We'll kick off back uh, tour season, as we call it, in January. We'll, we'll host an all-day tour um, for any company that wants to come in. Um, I've had competitors come in. I've had people from everywhere um, because really— International. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, it's my vision that you know we're all learning together in the trades, and we need to uh, to lift each other up um, with all the stuff that we've learned and can help others out. Is the link to that on your website, too? Yep. Yep. Okay. So you can find it on our website. I think we'll put it maybe in the show notes or yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, feel free to click on there. I think we'll have openings uh, January, February, and March awesome. uh, that will be on there. Uh, so sign up for a date that works for you. We'd love to have you have you out to uh, beautiful Indianapolis. That's right. Come out. Check out Indy. It's yeah. a great place, especially in January. It's yeah, the best exactly. time to come well, to Indianapolis. Maybe not, but we'll be inside, <laughs> so that'll be good. This is awesome. Chad, thank you so much, and we'll make sure to, to put them in the show notes and, and make sure to keep, uh, keep up with our stuff because we're going to be posting hosting our tour of this facility as well. And you guys want to see that because it's it's an incredible facility uh, and what they've built here is awesome. And if you 
I mean, just come to Indy. You'll see the you'll see Peterman everywhere. You'll probably drive down the road and run into about. I'd say on an average daily, I see about three or four of your cars. Yeah. Well, don't run into them when you. We'll try not. But but if you see them. Thank you so much, Chad. I appreciate it, bro. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us today on the American Contractor Show. Be sure to subscribe, hit that thumbs up, and leave your comments below. We'll see you guys in the next one.